0: Hey y'all, and welcome back to Keeping It Brief. I'm your host, Anika. I don't know if y'all noticed, but in the last episode, I finally figured out how to link the website that I've been studying and researching these cases on. So it's called Justia. It's a search engine for Supreme Court cases but you can also find other cases. I know that here shortly, I'll be doing a few briefings on some less known cases or basically just not Supreme court cases. And I was still able to find them on Justia. So if y'all are interested in reading along with me or researching the cases for yourself, that is where I found them. So let's go ahead and hop right into it. Today we're going to be talking about Lujan v. Defenders of Wildlife 504 U.S. 555 1992. The petitioner in this case was Luhan, the Secretary of the Interior, and the respondent was Defenders of Wildlife, which is like a wildlife conservation organization. It was argued on December 3rd, 1991, and decided on June 12th, 1992. The facts of this case. This case was basically over the Endangered Species Act of 1973, and if you don't know what that act is, which I'm always going to assume that you don't, it divided the responsibility of protecting wildlife between the Secretary of Interior, and the Secretary of Commerce. These are basically part of the President's Cabinet people. Um, It also required that each federal entity consult with the right secretary to ensure no wildlife is being harmed. This is basically like endangered species, so crocodiles, elephants, you know, animals that don't have very many will be going extinct soon any federal entity that's trying to build something in an area where they live have to talk to the secretary, right? So the Defenders of Wildlife Organization argued that they had a claim to injury um, because there was a lack of consultation when it came to funded activities abroad and that it would increase the rate of extinction and endanger the whoa, it would increase the rates of extinction for endangered and threatened species. So again, this organization, they're worried about the environment, they're worried about the animals, they want to conserve, you know, them as best they can. And the Endangered Species Act of 1973 basically kind of put some roadblocks in their way. But both of these secretaries had jointly issued a document extending government protection to foreign nations, basically like overseas type stuff. But then later, the rule was limited to geographical scopes, so it was just the U.S. and the high seas. Basically, this is why Defenders of Wildlife is upset. The first ruling for the Endangered Species Act was all fine and dandy. That means that they can go anywhere, in any country and conserve the wildlife, as long as the US is looking to do activities in that area. But then the new rule that came out meant that it was just for the US and the high seas, so the surrounding ocean aquatic wildlife of the United States and within the United States itself. This was a big issue. So wildlife and other environmental groups brought this case um, to get the ruling reversed back to the original borderless clause. So again, they were like, hey, we don't like this geographical scope situation. Let's go back to the first one. So the Court of Appeals only focused on the affidavits for two Defenders members. Their names are Joyce Kelly and Amy Skillbred. So Joyce Kelly... This is going to sound really dumb, guys, but let's just get through it. Joyce Kelly said that she was being harmed by America's role in Egypt because she wouldn't be able to observe the endangered Nile crocodiles there because of the Aswan High Dam on the Nile, which is something that the U.S. was helping build there. Um, She's saying that she's being injured because she can't see the crocodiles. Right, and then Skillbred, Amy Skillbred, stated that she received an injury because she planned to return to Sri Lanka to hopefully spot at least a few elephants and leopards. She didn't really specify a number. She just said, "I want to see a few of them." Um, and basically the court was like, "Look, these affidavits they contain no facts, like." I don't know what you want us to do. So, basically, this case is a standings case. And so, what do I mean by standing? Let's get into our key terms and definitions. So, standing, it's a clause that means the parties involved must have faced an injury in fact or their legally protected well-being must have been harmed in a concrete and particular particularized way, and the injury must be actual or imminent, not conjectural or hypothetical. Bouncing back up, these two affidavits. These two women, they could not provide plane tickets for when they were going to go see these endangered animals, They hadn't visited in a while, so they hadn't been there prior to the funded activities starting. So they couldn't give specific facts as to how the wildlife was being harmed and in turn also harming them. It's hypothetical, which means these two women's affidavits really didn't hold any standing and couldn't really be used. We'll get into the second definition right now, y'all. But moving on. What I mean by a third-party standing case. A third-party means that there's no direct skin in the game. Basically, these animals can't file a court case for themselves saying that they're being endangered, right? Somebody would have to do it for them. So the third-party in this case is... Is defenders of wildlife. They're filing this case being like, hey, we need to protect these animals. It's our job. But if they don't have standing, how are they supposed to, you know, protect them? So what happened? What's the holding for this case, y'all? Justice Scalia wrote the majority decision and the court found that wildlife did not have standing in this case and that the original court of appeals failed to apply the foregoing principles when denying the secretary's motion for summary judgment ding 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 there's our second definition summary judgment is when a decision is made based on statements and evidence alone without going to trial Basically, you resolve a lawsuit before it winds up in court. So, Lujan, the Secretary of the Interior, filed a summary judgment to just get this case quick, done, over with, easy peasy. Because he knew they didn't have standing to be bringing this case to court. But the Court of Appeals failed to apply it. They failed. So this case ended up getting way further than it should have. The Defenders of Wildlife needed to prove that there was an injury in fact to their members, not the interest of the group. What I'm trying to say here is that there has to be an evidential injury. You have to be able to prove and show that you have been injured and therefore you have standing. In this case, defenders of wildlife could only provide the interest of seeing these animals, the interest of the group in protecting them, not an actual injury. And so no matter how much we care about wildlife, there was no direct injury to the human members of the group. The people were not being harmed. Joyce Kelly, Amy Skilbred, they weren't being like slapped in the face because they couldn't go see these animals. They didn't go blind because they couldn't see these animals. So the U.S. Constitution, Article 3, was basically what Scalia used to state what he had to state, right? He says that the U.S. Constitution set in clear instructions about what the federal court's jurisdiction is and that they're defined as cases and controversies. He's basically saying that in order to keep checks and balances, in order to keep executive, legislative, judicial branches functioning the way they should, we have to limit the scope of what the courts can do. And this case unfortunately doesn't fall within the scope. It's not possible. But he goes on further to name a important case that aided in the decision, which was Luhan versus National Wildlife Federation, 497 U.S. 871, 1990, which this case basically held that a plaintiff claiming injury from environmental damage has to use the area affected by the challenged activity and not an area roughly in the vicinity or around it. Which is basically what this case was saying. Like, hey, these crocodiles live near the Nile, around the Nile where this thing is being built, but they couldn't that they were living where the dam was built basically so I went ahead and added one extra thing before I end this brief for y'all tonight well today this afternoon because it's going up at noon I wanted to start adding Conquering and dissenting opinions. I talked about it a bit in my very first episode. But I feel like it's important to tell y'all who concurred and who dissented. So in this case, Justice Kennedy, Justice Sutter's, and Justice Stevens concurred. And Blackman and O'Connor dissented. This was a 6-3 decision. So... The majority, they were pretty unanimous. I'm not sure if you guys want me to brief what they said in their concurring opinions or what they said in their dissenting opinions. Y'all are gonna have to let me know. Um, But for right now, I'll just continue to share with y'all who concurred, who dissented. And so yeah, I hope to see y'all back here. You let me know what you thought about this case, and I wanted to preface that I am in no way saying that I don't care about the environment. This is just what the case was about and what the court ruled. So let me know. Do you think they were right? Did Defenders of Wildlife not have standing? Or did you think that, well, I could find a few ways where they had standing in this case? Go ahead and drop it below and I will see y'all next time.